Hey, hey, friendos. Welcome to the Road to Nowhere, a Marvel Champions LCG podcast. Um, I've got my old intro in here. What the heck? But this is, I'm going to read it anyway because it's fun. I can promise you if you decide to join us on this journey, that will take you absolutely nowhere. Thank you, D House. And that's a podcast guarantee. We focus on recapping Solo Champions League. But if you enjoy breaking down the finer details of a Marvel Champions matchup, then we have something for you. Um, this week, I'm your host, Jossaru, but this week we have very frequent co-host, Gondo. Gondo, how are you? Uh, doing well. Happy to be here yet again. And I have in the notes that you are currently tied for number one in the Solo Champions League server rank. Yeah, we have to ask if that is alphabetical or <laughs> if he has a slight yeah. amount of XP more than me. Right, so it's you, Astrodar, and Greg, which is really funny that, you know, Innsmouth Bear has dropped from that. Yeah, well, I have apparently too much time on my hands, and I'm happy to uh, chat it up in the Discord. Well, and, you know, you've been very active with answering rules questions and other things in there, too, so... Um, and I've been here a very long time. <laughs> and you've been here a very long time. Yeah, so have I. I my rank is nowhere near 30, I can tell you that. Um, and then planned to be here, but not actually he here, is our, our regular, is it a third wheel? Our regular tricycle, third tricycle wheel, Greg. Um, Greg sent us a message, though, so I'm, I'm going to read this. Sorry I missed the episode this week. I literally got hit by a car. And you know the old saying, men would rather get hit by a car than confront a Loki. Whispers, band of Badoon. Oh, I let me try that sentence again. Ha! Men would rather get hit by a car than confront a Loki whispers band of Badoon round created purely by Joss's sense of revenge. There we go. We got the comment right this time. Much love to Joss and Gondo, but much hate to Badoon Grunt and that obligation that stops your allies from readying. I'll send an update next episode from the front lines of physical therapy. Love the show, longtime listener, first time injury texter. Our cyborg friend messaged us. Yeah, I really do hope he gets better soon. Oh my gosh. Excited poor to Greg. record with him again. I know. Poor so poor Greg got hit by a car and got uh like very, very serious wounds. Wounds is the wrong word. Injuries. Um so all yeah, our best wishes go out to him and uh and we'll 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 see when we start seeing more presence from him again but everybody you know send your send your well wishes out to greg um gondo how are things i don't know it's just a desert of content i don't know what's next <laughs> the, this... i have gambit and rogue i don't know if we'll ever see any other characters ever again it, it feels like it was almost two months ago when i started saying the next announcement was imminent was it that long ago? Oof. It feels like it. But it might not actually have been, but so we are, we are, you know, according to the news cycle, they're doing stuff every two months, and they're usually about three months out have been putting out announcements. So they're kind of like a month overdue from from that perspective. But it feels longer than I've been saying it was imminent. Yeah, but that's okay. We've got Yamada and Rogue and Bajillion encounters. 
the solo champions right. league to keep us busy. We we definitely do, and I I'm way 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 behind on on X Men content, which uh, will actually be a great talking point in a little bit as we talk a little bit more about this round and the and the fallout of this round. But um, how has your Gambit and Rogue play been so far? I'd say I definitely lean toward Gambit. Um, I haven't played Rogue in multiplayer, which is where I think she could be a little bit more interesting with her touched mm-hmm. mechanic. But, uh, mm-hmm. Gambit's a lot of fun for sure. Building up counters, doing three damage, three damage, three damage with Royal Flushes. Pretty cool. And I'm definitely enjoying him. He's He feels immortal. He can, he's the villain. I think he'll be a great addition to the Solo Champions League if we happen to see him in this season. Yeah, I mean... That is an interesting point that you make. <laughs> well, let, let's actually just jump into what's going on with this season because there's some kind of some interesting things. So what we're going to do is um, I'm going to tell you about the round that we just played and then kind of the the fallout of that round before we keep going because I think I think we kind of need need to know what the round was to understand the fallout. So round one was uh, designed by yours truly, um, not the most popular person on the Solo Champions League Discord right now, but uh, the villain was Loki with Whispers of Paranoia, Band of Badoon, and of course, Infinity Gauntlet that comes along with Loki. Uh, difficulty was Standard, which is an interesting one because on Loki, Standard and Expert really isn't any any consequential difference for actual difficulty. Hero was Scarlet Witch, and then we had the regular four aspects and all basic. And then at the end of um this round going into the new round insmith bear put out a little narrative he really likes crafting these narratives and um the you know tale of battling loki and then um wanda being taken aback at all the destruction and whispering three words no more avengers and this is you know uh calling back to a, a storyline um, called House of M, where she whispered no more mutants and kind of decimated the the mutant population magically, uh, decimated as in took away all their powers. And so that's what uh, Innsmouth Bear is kind of basing on this. And so for the rest of this season, or at least the rounds that we know about, there's we're not allowed to use any Avengers traded anything. And we instead are each picking a faction, a champions, guardians, web warriors, or X-Men. And we're supposed to kind of stick with that faction throughout the round, at least uh, as far as we know. And um, then there's going to be some kind of deck building stuff where we're supposed to bring in some cards from other factions and and other things like that. So it's going to be fun. I love deck building restrictions. I think lots of people were really nervous about, you know, choosing a faction like, for example, Guardians and then getting stuck with Drax and Groot in rounds three and five. (laughs) So that could be a little bit scary if you're not in the uh, right aspect for them being justice for Groot or protection for Drax. Yeah, well, so fortunately, the way that it actually got set up is the Patreons get to vote on the round three and five heroes to kind of, and it's only the people who took those factions that get to vote for it. So hopefully nobody gets stuck with a with a hero that they really don't want. Um, and those are also the multi-aspect rounds. So, you know, you 
you know, other than your kind of Groots and Draxes, I mean, there's lots of lots of different choices to play with them. So that I think this is this is going to be really really fun and interesting season. And I think Hensmith Bear set it up so that the the post choice regret should be low because you know the people who actually chose a faction are going to be invested in choosing heroes that are going to be nice all rounders. I think. Um, what did you know, Gondo? What did you choose first of all? Um, I haven't officially chosen, but I can't see it being anything but X-Men because they're new and shiny. I am attracted to such things. Um, I cannot wait to bring the X-Men into SCL and just see what they can do. Right. And you're also in a spot where you've been playing a crap ton of Web Warriors builds on non-Web Warriors characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wasn't about to pick Web Warriors and build the same deck for every single round this season I, which you easily could and do pretty well if you were going to pick a web warrior yeah yeah that's i know that 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 was a thing that made me have a, a really good chuckle um yeah well i mean you know picking your off aspect ones there's still going to be opportunities to make web, web warrior x-men actually yeah, I could just see a Cyclops picking all the web warriors from all the different aspects. <laughs> if, for is Cyclops allowed to do that, or can they only be X Men allies? I actually don't remember. Oh yeah, it is X Men allies. I lied. I'm sorry. Oh okay, okay. Well, you got me. You got me extra excited for a moment, but um, he still he still has to fight with you know getting past all the traded cards and all the other funny things. But um, okay, yeah. So that that's awesome. I'm I'm also picking X Men. Um, which is in part because I I have not really played many of the X Men a ton, so I'm I'm just kind of using it as a great excuse to to actually explore the the new heroes a bit, and uh, you know I'll see what kind of excitement I also have for Gambit that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I think they're also generally pretty powerful, so I don't think you're going to get too oh, yeah. bad of a matchup, uh, no matter what the round ends up as. And there's eight options now, so there's good breath like interestingly they're newer than the web warriors but they're already far more numerous far more numerous and um colossus despite being stuck in leadership this round um is actually quite viable in this specific scenario that we're playing in 1402 which you know it's it's risky business we can talk a little bit about that later if we want but um which is nice it's nice to you know colossus is kind of um Leadership, I don't think, is usually a thing that people gravitate toward with Colossus. So it's it's neat that this is actually a good round for Colossus too. Yeah, I think it suits Colossus's general kit pretty well, and I, I think he'd have good opportunities no matter what aspect it was. Yeah, it was a safe. It's a safe for flipping round, which is kind of one of the important things because he he wants to go pick up those toughs. And he has a forehand size, so he's <laughs> like, let's go get some more cards. Ooh, yeah, there's that. Um, so, how about how about the rest of your faction? Uh, are people kind of spreading out, or really doubling up on X Men, or what's going on? I think we're leaning toward two X Men and one undecided right now. Okay. Yeah, all our all our frac- factions are really shrinking. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because yours hasn't always been three, right? Yeah, we started out as five after one season. We lost one. And I think right. after, I don't know how many, I guess is how many seasons of alliances have there been? I don't know. But I think it was either one or two after we lost the fifth, we lost the fourth, and now we're down to three. Right, right, right. 
Yeah, we we purposely chose three as a way to kind of not get stuck with the heroes you don't want to get stuck with, and it's worked pretty well. Um, as as noted in our our fun draft last time, you know, considering how well actually in the in the hero rankings that Greg ran, um, how much overlap Astrodar and I have in in the heroes we like, it was really surprising that we don't fight more. But um, you know, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I so, think that's why the first person left. I'm, right. Because someone had to get stuck in basic and it wasn't always super great. So I can totally understand not wanting to have a five-person alliance if you really want to get into the aspects and make sure you're always having one. Yeah, yeah. Basically, everybody in the alliance needs to be pretty comfortable playing basic when it's their turn. Yeah. Maybe we just need a another aspect uh you can go to the homebrew server for that you, you sure can <laughs> uh okay so our our villain um for this round was was loki as already mentioned um in standard so the way they do standard versus expert with loki is there's there's just the difference of if you have to defeat him twice or three times which kind of by the time you've defeated him a second time that third time is not much of a deal which uh, not a very big deal which is why i was saying the the difficulty doesn't really matter that much from the perspective of those two things. I, I would just say that um, master plan in this scenario could be awful. Under fire in mm. this scenario could be awful. Mm -hmm. You just get like two, right. like what's it called, trickster or something, and then good point. <laughs> you just get blasted out of the sky. There are still those those three expert cards that um, that get at it that that do change it a little bit. Yes, you're exactly right. Um, yeah, he so he always has twenty health. His stats change between one to three for scheme and attack, and sometimes he has stalwart and sometimes retaliate, sometimes piercing. Um, and then of course, because he has the infinity gauntlet, the stats are actually twos, twos to fours. And um, as folks may know, I love. I actually really love the Infinity Gauntlet, but in hindsight, I, I think I really should have done some presets on what was the first card out of the Infinity Gauntlet and what was the first Loki for each of the three games. Um, kind of oh, setting people setting people up for a little bit of success and not just having a total, not having that um, kind of frustrating aspect be a thing that not everybody's always experiencing entirely the same but you know live and learn that was my my first round that Innsmouth Bear, Innsmouth Bear had been generous enough to let me let me try to design so I you know in hindsight I learned some lessons um right so you were talking about trickster um that's a an interesting card so that's a treachery that he has that you you first swap a Loki and so every time he swaps, he comes back in with the same health that he swapped out, but you get some new effects. So maybe you manage to stun a non-stalwart version of him, and then a new, an actual stalwart version comes in. And then he activates against you, um, which means there's a lot of potential activations on both sides, because this is not this is not one that just surges when you're on, on the alter ego side. So there's a lot of potential scheming that he can do. I will say this was my absolute favorite boost card in this matchup. Your favorite boost card? Yes. Because that means it wasn't an encounter card. 
I'm like, I don't care if he has a tough. Yeah, the tough was yeah, kind of less than less than consequential. Um, and then this set has, speaking of boost cards, has uh, a four boost boost card, open the Bifrost, as well as a card that lets you use one of the Infinity Stones as a boost, and there's a four boost Infinity Stone as well. So there's there's lots of stuff, and you're always kind of having to deal with the Infinity Stones confusing you and stunning you and all those things. So it's definitely tedious, easy to lose track of, and it was it was pretty long as we'll see. Um, I when I was prepping for it in in my practice games, I was just playing basic, and things never felt terribly hard, which is why I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I think we could definitely use some boost effects. I didn't go as far as the Cree Militant set that I wanted to do, but we, we did the Band of Badoon set, which we'll hear about in a sec. Um, and so that introduced a lot of boost effects as well. Um, yeah, I think that's everything about Loki. I don't know, you want to tell us about the Band of Badoon modular? Sure. Um, so the Band of Badoon modular is one of the largest modulars. It is 10 cards and it's all minions. Um, a lot of these have some pretty gnarly boost effects. And, uh, <laughs> one of them is just uh, pretty mean if, if he's a boost or a counter card. So let's go through them. Uh, I think I did it mostly in order of HP. But <clears throat> there's two assassins. They have what is what essentially boils down to quick strike, but not quite. Um, and if they do attack you, with this quick strike, they have plus two attack. Normally they have one, but it's three when they just engage you. That's why it's not quite quick strike, because that's it's part of a force response to And it can hit you when you're an alter ego. Yes, that is correct. <clears throat> oh no, it says you attacked your hero. Never mind. Take it back. Yes, take it back, please. You tricked me. Done. <laughs> <laughs> and um, if it's a boost card, the attack gets piercing overkill and ranged, which is a little bit rude. If you ask me, <laughs> this is one of the reasons I actually wanted this in the in the set in the deck. But carry on. Um, then you have three grunts. Um, so when this engages you, if it's the only minion, you get your encounter card. And, th and then listen to this boost effect. Put it into play, engaged with you. <laughs> How unfair is that? <laughs> You spend all this effort getting a clear board, then it comes out as a boost card, it hits you, and then you have two encounter cards and more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, then you got two sentries. I like these ones. They're okay. Um, <laughs> they have five HP and retaliate. And if they're a boost, uh, it gives the villain a tough, and if they're already tough, it gives them plus two attack. There's two warlords, which have three attack and overkill. And if it's a boost card, it gives plus two attack. There's one lieutenant, and this is the last... Bandit Badoon, thankfully. He has 6 HP in patrol, and if it's an activation and it's a scheme, you get plus 2 scheme. So every one of these has a boost effect. <clears throat> and every one of these poses a decent roadblock that isn't entirely, entirely defeatable right away. So a lot of challenges to be had here, especially with all the extra activations from the Trickster and whatnot, so you're seeing these, all, seeing these boost effects all the time. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Pretty tedious modular. Like it, it interacts with you no matter which way you look. Oh yeah, definitely. Something's there, always happening with this modular. Yes. Is there is there a modular another modular this big? Ten? 
I don't yeah. think so. I think it might be outright the biggest. It's on my list real quick. I don't know if I don't have all the numbers memorized, but I'll get my general no, no. impression. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's I think it's the I think it might be the biggest. Um all right. Whispers of Paranoia. I think symbiotic oh, strength sorry. is pretty big, but maybe oh, that's only right. nine. Right, right. Anyway, we'll move on the Whispers of Paranoia and don't this isn't a card a card counting podcast. Um so the Whispers of Paranoia oh modular. <laughs> do you wanna do you wanna start that podcast? I'm a data nerd, so maybe. <laughs> Carry on. Okay. So with Whispers of Paranoia, this is a sinister motives modular. It was introduced in that campaign box. And I came up with a tagline for it. What oh, if yeah. we involved your nemesis in their side scheme more than Shadows of the Past, but also you couldn't use your allies? Yeah, what if, hey? Yeah, what if? I'd be paranoid to think that that would happen. Anyway, <laughs> moving away from that bad joke, there's two delusions of collusion. So you can't ready your allies in Persona supports. In order to get rid of this, you have to discard one of your allies or Persona supports in Alter Ego. It's an Alter Ego action. And then you can ready your allies and supports again that you don't have anymore. Um, and then if it's a boost effect, it is a little bit of ally hate. I wrote that down, but I didn't write down exactly what it was. I think you take extra damage or something or add threat. Is that the one that you take damage according to the... Let me grab my card here, wherever it is. Um, yeah, you take indirect uh, damage equal to its printed cost. Oh, yeah, that's right. Terrible. I love that effect. And then we have Manipulated Mind, which steals your lowest cost ally. Um, it's familiar with, like, the, uh, what's it, Legions of Hell from the Hell mm -hmm. scenario? Mm -hmm. Explicitly linked to that scenario, but it's linked within the campaign. But it's a familiar, it steals your ally, and it becomes a minion, and then it starts beating you up. Yep. <clears throat> then there's Old Grudge, which is go fetch your nemesis, and that nemesis is plus one health. Um, which is a lot of fun for Scarlet Witch, and we'll talk about that later. And as a boost effect, it does one damage to each character you control. Now, interestingly, yeah, interestingly, I forgot about this. And when I was mm. writing up this, uh, these notes, because this never actually came out as a boost card for me during an activation during any of my three rounds, so I completely forgot that was what the boost effect did. And and now that I read it, I'm kind of glad. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's why I, I like the under attack modular as well. Yeah, that's definitely a nasty boost effect. Really, a lot of ally hate there. And also tough hate. <laughs> then you have analysis paralysis, which just adds a ton of threat to the board. I think in this scenario and setup, it's exactly seven. Yeah. And um, has an amplify icon. So if you're actually taking attacks or schemes. They're a little bit more dangerous. And um, Scarlet, and I have this note here, Scarlet Witch's Nemesis and Nemesis side scheme aren't really that terrible. So those last two aren't that bad. But um, with Delusion of Collusion, being forced in the Alter Ego is pretty scary against Loki, especially if you have the 
three, which is really four scheme Loki out. Mm-hmm. And um, definitely in this match, you want to be using your allies. And um, Agatha is also a really good persona support that you don't want to lose. What are your thoughts on this modular in general? I know you designed it, but <laughs> let's hear how it treated you this round. Um, I mean, I don't honestly, I don't think any, I don't think either of the modulars was especially nasty to me. I had been playing it quite a bit, so I was re- I was prepared for most of the dumb stuff that it likes to throw at you. But I, I do like this. I like I like the way it does the punishment for instead of it being overkill, it actually punishes you for the size of the ally um, from the delusion of collusion. I was playing justice, and I usually felt like I kind of could trust going over to alter ego to get rid of the can't ready your allies or or it wasn't urgent to do it you know so i don't think i ever got stung by that one but but i but i do i don't know i just i kind of like a lot of the things it's doing i like when things are pulling your nemesis minion and that side scheme in and things i i really actually wish the game interacted with that part of your your hero kit more than it does so i yeah i, I like actually these. do really like these modulars by themselves yeah outside of loki um there if i want minions in a scenario i'll definitely look toward band of badoon pretty quickly it's a, mm-hmm. it's a good scenario to really add minions to or it's a good modular for adding minions to a scenario whispers of paranoia for reasons you said is fun because it get, you get to involve your nemesis and the nemesis side scheme more than is typically available in a normal game, so that's really fun. Um, yeah, I actually do like these modulars just combined with Loki. It can be a little bit challenging with all these boost effects. A little bit challenging with all the boost effects, and I, I mean, I think Manipulated Mind is um, kind of a good level of ally hate as well, because it's grabbing your lowest cost one, which is rarely going to be a one that feels can do super too bad. Much damage. Yeah, right. Like maybe. For example, maybe you have a Voltron deck or something, but you you would be really thoughtful about that in terms of yeah. you knew you were you were going up against the scenario. Yeah, you don't leave yourself with just the Voltron ally. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's definitely I mean part of what I do like about both of these is on your turn you do have to consider what's in there. Knowing the encounter deck has quite a bit of value in terms of how how the play goes, and you have to be kind of thoughtful about you know. Is it safe to do this one extra activation with my two health ally, or should I leave it at two health just in case the the star shark comes out, whatever it actually is? Old, old grudge. Yeah. You know, that that sort of thing. Like so I, I like I like when the sets make you consider those sorts of things, but um it was a little on the extreme side in terms of how many boost effects we were dealing with. Yeah, the Nemesis side scheme can actually be a tactical choice to leave up. There's no immediate downside. It- Obviously, all the boost cards are a plus one, but if you're chump blocking, that doesn't matter so much, and then you can actually get more statuses, which you might want. It's definitely a tactical choice that you can make. Yeah, well, and you know, if you're playing Justice, you could that means you can get two cards out of that sequence because there's two side schemes to get rid of. Oh yeah, true. Over over a couple turns, right? Um, okay, so how about the Scarlet Witch? Of it all, I I guess I'm the one who's in charge of this one. So the one of the things is, um, well, I'll come back to this in a sec. So uh, 
you know, the, the things that Scarlet Witch really does is she has a pretty great economy. Um, so first is we got Chaos Magic, which is one that lets you basically play a card for free, and then you just have to discard a bunch of encounter cards equal to the cost. So you're, you do, a lot of her stuff is interacting with the encounter deck, so you do tend to pile up acceleration uh, tokens. And then we got Warp Reality, which lets you cancel something, and this is an event cancel, so you actually have to have it in your hand to, to cancel out a thing. It's not an upgrade cancel. And then Magic Shield, which um, allows you to block three damage, and we're going to see there's some people that did some very clever things with Magic Shield. But Magic Shield actually, you know, it was almost as good or even better than target acquired in terms of doing things like preventing the overkill, right? It was very rare that you would, the amount of damage you would take from getting the overkill boost effect would be radically different from what magic shield can do anyway. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing I, I've learned myself. I often think it's a great idea to put target acquired into a deck for solo champions league and then I never use it. So this mm -hmm. time I stayed strong and I didn't put it in my deck. <laughs> And did you use Magic Shield opportunistically in a place where you might have used Target Acquired? Um, it was more so... I wouldn't say in place of, but I did use it fairly often just to... Um, if I had two cards left, it was often... I'd, and one of them is Magic Shield, it would often be Magic Shield that I played. Both were options. Right. Um, just because... There's a lot going on here that could damage from any number of sources, and protecting myself was a pretty high priority. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, and so Wanda, because she's a mystic, has access to the mystic cards like Sorcerer Supreme, which increases your hand size by one. Um, and so they're kind of all these little things, and she has lots of card cycle and all those sorts of things. So in terms of economy, right, you can see your double resources more and all those things. So she, anyway, she has she has really good access to to an economy. She also has Hexbolt, which is flip over a bunch of encounter cards, and then according to how many boost icons there are, you can do things like damage and thwart and all those, and get status icons now are static tokens. But of course, with Loki often having stalwart the stuns and confuses were not quite as useful, which made tough really kind of the go-to one that you would usually go go for. But as we already saw, um, Old Grudge from the Whispers of Paranoia modular that does one damage is another thing that can punish you a little bit um, in terms of you get some tough and you think you're safe, but all of a sudden you get overrun on that. Yeah, I think it was very rare that I chose confuse as my status from mm. this effect um it was either stun on a non-stalwart loki which i which i knew would be used right away yep. or a, or a tough if the loki was stalwart and i didn't want to take damage from an attack which is very strange because normally confuse is quite valuable because you want to go to alter ego but combined with sorcerer supreme not giving you a different hand size and um potential of it being wasted by changing into a stalwart loki while you're in hero form um, kind of reduced the uh, value proposition for me use status token. Agreed, agreed. And then one thing that's also interesting is because she's interacting with the number of boost icons on on all these cards, it 
I think to some degree, you kind of want a nice range of values, lots of zeros, lots of ones, lots of twos, lots of threes or more, I think. So you can kind of really, you know, between your other effects that let you change the number of boost icons or or redraw a card for boost icons. Um, you kind of want that nice range, but this one is pretty heavy on the zero icon ones. So <laughs> you it was often a lot of damage, a little bit of thwart, and then maybe some of the other stuff. I don't know if that's how it felt to you. Yeah, definitely. There are there are definitely a lot of zeros, so kind of helps you with all the minions. The scenario is spitting out at you with the band of Badoon. Right, but often when you wanted your hexbolt to actually do other useful things, you would of course draw three zero ones and and do six damage when you actually really wanted to be doing other stuff. Yeah, that was one downside for sure. Such is the nature of relying on randomness with Wanda, I guess. Um, I, any... felt there, I felt there were a decent number of uh, ones out there that I usually felt like I could get a little bit, rely on a little bit of threat removal with Hexbolt. And, I mean, not only that, you could also use your crest to bump something up to a one if you needed to. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I really... One does not... You know, one is kind of a middle of the pack hero. I don't entirely like the output randomness nature of it, but there is a little bit of mitigation. But one thing I do like is kind of um you know looking at your hand seeing you have a hex bolt and seeing oh if i can draw one card off this hex bolt i can also do this other thing and kind of having to <laughs> engage engage in that and either come out happy or very disappointed um but there you know for whatever reason that kind of tickles me even though the output randomness overall is not not my favorite yeah, unfortunately with this scenario there's usually a plenty of damage to do plenty of threat to remove Yes. Statuses you'd like to have, so any output didn't really feel so bad because you're making a progress on one of your problems. Yeah, I guess the the one of the other bad ones would be drawing multiple three plus ones when you were facing down a stalwart Loki. Yeah, fortunately that never happened to me. Oh, lucky guy. Although I do I was... have a story to tell about multiple three plus boost icons. <laughs> um well actually why don't we move into your story so that that was wanda let's hear about your actual round yeah so i think i did pretty well i, I went 3-0 i had clean boards at the end of it um i averaged exactly my hero's health in hero score so i was 100 100 100 in 11.3 turns with protection yep. um I did something totally original for me, and I played Web Warriors Protection <laughs> um, because I looked at the other protection cards and said, Scarlet Witch doesn't care about any of those in this scenario. So, <laughs> so I just went with Web Warriors, and they were great. Totally recommend Web Warriors to any protection or leadership hero. You can make great use out of it, even if you're not a Web Warrior. Um, particularly in this scenario, they have a lot of thwart, and you, there's a lot of threat coming out, if we're being honest. So Yep. Yep. Especially for protection. Web warriors give you all the thwart you need. Um, and another thing that I did was that I think was at least a small contributor to success that might differentiate my strategy from others. I don't know how many other people did this, but I was a warp reality hoarding gremlin. Yes. Um, it was never a resource unless I was about to win the game. Um, I'd hold it across multiple turns until something I didn't like popped up and I'd be like, yes, I am canceling this. Get out of here, Loki. I don't need your nonsense. 
Um, that's something I almost never do. Um, I know it's typically advisable in Marvel Champions in general to not carry over cards, mm-hmm. but I just felt like it was the thing to do here. I was hoarding it like a gremlin, like I said, and canceling a lot of crucial stuff that would have really ruined me. That takes a lot of self-control. Yeah, which is unusual for Wanda. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't feel as bad because you have a six-hand size in hero form, so it's like, you know what, I'll just get five new cards and that's just like a normal hero. Right. <clears throat> and uh, my story about the two three-plus boost icons was um, I included an unusual card in my deck even though I was playing Web Warriors, I included Unusual Web Warrior in Spider-Ham. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought I thought he had a lot going for him in this scenario. There's a lot of zeros in the card pool. Wanda can either reduce it, reduce consequential damage by one, or say, no, let's try again on the damage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So one time I activated with Spider-Ham, and I got open the Bifrost which is the four-boost icon card. <laughs> so I said, no, we're not going to kill Spider-Ham in this way. So we replaced the card with a three-boost. And I was like, what in the heck? He's out of here anyway. <laughs> that oh, that felt sad. so bad. And I didn't have the crest out, so I couldn't reduce it to two. <laughs> That's what, you you know, you, you bring Wanda to the party and you got to dance with Wanda. Yeah, I know. But hey, now those weren't boost cards on scheme so it's okay by me uh-huh um what about what about your hobie experience because that's another neat interaction right hobie lets you discard three or two three three encounter cards when he gets defeated and then you get apply damage equal to the boost icons so somebody who can manipulate the boost icons yeah that was definitely a target for uh that as well. Um, he he didn't do too great in the damage. He was primarily used for his sorting capabilities. But in game mm-hmm. three, I actually did have like a really weird like Spider-Man, Peter Parker, and Spider-Man, Homie Brown engine just like destroying Loki. Like my first game was thirteen rounds. My second game was twelve. My third was only nine because mm. Peter Parker and Hobie were just really going at Loki. <laughs> and I, I don't know why it just worked out that I just kept recurring both of them. Uh, it just seemed like the best choice every time and proved to be a lot faster than my other games. Yeah, well, and Peter... speaking of which, with all these encounter card discarding through your Hex Bolts, your Molecular Decays, your Chaos Magics, your Hobie Browns, although probably only me, um, how many acceleration tokens did you see over the course of your rounds? Oh. Uh... Probably, well, as we'll we'll hear in a bit, one of my games was a little short, um, but I probably had two in one and one in the other. Okay, my first game was two, my second game was three, and my second, my third game was two also. So I yeah. saw a total of seven acceleration tokens. That's amazing. You know, by the time you're built up with Scarlet Witch, it, it's kind of not so bad. It does. It doesn't feel as scary. It's kind of remarkable. <laughs> Like, uh, Warren Asgard is, or whatever that card is that gives you the acceleration token plus three acceleration tokens. I'll just put five third on the main scheme. It's okay. It's not really okay, but it is. (laughs) Well, 
the you know the one thing I do find when you have a bunch of acceleration tokens is you know you really have to kind of get close to defeating the villain to be able to then on the subsequent round clear all the threat you have to clear and defeat the villain sure. like you can't you don't you don't as often have those really kind of final bursty turns you you're doing a lot of cleanup still yeah i think scarlet witch just in the way i built it like the last turn was always huge like right. i cleared two side schemes i do a ton of damage with molecular decay and then it would all be over all of a sudden when it looked right. really kind of messy going into the turn but then you know i have all these resource generators and Avengers Mansion, Queen Carrier, Web Life and Destiny, Death Focus, and yep. all the damage from the Web Warriors. Molecular Decay can do a ton of damage, drawing a ton of cards. So, kind of just goes kablam at the end of the game. Well, my congratulations to you. I um, My games one and three kind of went similar to yours. I was playing Justice, and I was playing a pretty... Um, light on the yellow justice deck you were playing a light on the green deck by the way uh well we'll, we'll revisit that in a moment but uh i actually ended up losing the second game on on a way that i think a lot of people ended up losing and threading out in a situation where they had the time stone out which is the one that when um the infinity stone when it clears you have to add discard four of your cards from your deck and then add threat according to how many different types of cards that was which usually ends up being three or four but sometimes it's fewer yeah i think it was three for me nearly every time yeah um so i got that into an advance into a big boost card actually the the badoon lieutenant um you know which i then tried to get rid of and then got hit with whatever the next thing was, and it was a big one too. And so it was just one of those ones where I was reasonably safe with, with threat, but it was because I had time stone, I actually wasn't. So I got what I deserved from uh, having designed this round. It's probably it's probably good that I came out of it with only only two wins, but uh, I, did, I did have lots of fun overall, but I was feeling definitely in the moment quite frustrated. Yeah. I could see that 12 threat piling up pretty quick if you're a little bit unlucky or yep. a little bit unprepared for it because it's early in the game. You haven't quite built up yet. For sure. Yeah, I that kind of burning almost anyone. It was a little mid gameish, but um but definitely definitely a thing in that in hindsight because I always record my games and go go watch them to make sure I didn't make any dumb rules gaffes or anything like that i realized i could have set myself up a little bit better going into that round so then i felt even worse but um you know i took my lumps and we're and we're moving on um so the overall results we had 37 percent of the folks choose justice so that was the po most popular one by by a fair bit and i think in part because that was potentially going to make it a little bit safer to flip which is things that people are looking for, um, looking toward. And also, you know, the extra card draw with Wanda just kind of really makes the engine even go faster. So lots of that. And then protection, leadership, and aggression were all kind of similar ballpark. Um, leadership 24, protection 20, aggression 16, and then just 3% basic. And as I mentioned before, I actually had done all my practice uh, in basic while I was 
building the round. So that's why my justice deck was actually just basic with a few of the ju most justice-y things that I wanted to see. I don't know. Any what surprises from that? You ask? Oh, I mean, I had a skilled investigator and under surveillance and um, whatever the magical... Oh, I didn't even oh I didn't even have her the mystic, the yellow mystic card. And I don't think I had any allies either. So I think it was it might have even just been under surveillance, maybe under surveillance counterintelligence and uh skill investigator. Oh interesting. I th the way you were describing things. I I thought maybe you might have a global logistics or some sort of shield archetype to it. Uh, no, I tried that out. It was um One of one of the things I find a bit challenging with Shield, I don't know how much you've played around with Shield, but one of the things that's really hard with Shield, I find, is if it's a hero that also wants to get a lot of setup stuff done early. Oh, okay. I think that's why it's Miles competing with itself, yeah. Yeah, I think that's why Miles was such a brilliant place to introduce Shield because Miles has almost no setup stuff, and so. You can really focus on your shield stuff while also doing board control with your events, um, and that works pretty well. But with Wanda, you you know, as you mentioned, there's kind of a bunch of resource generators you want to get out and get those magic shields to protect you from other stuff and things like that. So the shield didn't feel that great. I, I did try it out, but I didn't I didn't ultimately like it. Yeah, and I, I honestly reason. didn't value alter ego that highly in this matchup because I was in fact a mystic and I could get, achieve a six hero hand size. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I usually just like to have access to Alter Ego if I find myself in some some real damage trouble and just feel like I can have that escape valve. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think I probably yeah. would want to try to figure out a way to get Global Logistics into this matchup. Just knowing, <laughs> yeah. just so I know, I know I'm not going to scheme out when I go to Alter Ego. I know. Well, the other thing is, is it's also one of those ones where you look at a pile of cards and it's all ones you don't want. And you're like, ugh. Well, I guess I'm just dumping them into the discard and getting another acceleration token. It's kind of what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then in terms of performance... We had kind of the clear leader of basic, which is, we'll see a, a kind of funny story, but that it was very few people actually took basic. Protection was next best. With a, obviously. Ha, obviously. Um, so basic had an 83% win rate. Protection had a 69% win rate. Leadership had a 58% win rate. Um, uh, aggression was fourth with a 51% win rate. And justice at 52% win rate, but a lower approval rating. Um, and then, you know, other kind of other notable things we're looking at, you know, the, the average number of turns was probably just below 10, and the overall win rate was 58%. But in flight one, that was 96, down to in flight four, that was a 28% win rate. So, like, but the top three flights all kind of 96, 90, 86, so pretty high win rates. Um, but I, for reference, I went back and looked at some of our other memorably brutal rounds because, you know, 58% uh, win rate's pretty low. Oh, yeah. Um, we had a 64% win rate in that miserable Nebula versus expert thanos one well i mean i enjoyed it because i love thanos as well because he's got a infinity gauntlet but that was that was a tough one um and 
you know, Nebula is one you can't always rely on to do exactly what you want her to do because of the way the techniques work. And uh, then know, just make her play Web Warriors. That's okay. Just make her play Web Warriors. And then the Nebula on the other side, which was actually the probably the hardest round we've ever seen. It was a lower than 30% win rate, uh, which was in season 11, round five. That was so that was we had. This this interesting one where we had Spider Man or Vision, and we had kind of some different ways to pick the the aspects. But that one was oh, it was really hard. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah, I remember spending a lot of time at the table optimizing my Spider Woman aggression protection deck for the maximum amount of damage to hopefully win in three turns or go out in a blaze of glory. Oh yeah, 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 right. <laughs> That's what all those discussions were. That's I I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, do I include this drop kick because it could potentially buy me an entire turn, or <sighs> it's not nearly as efficient as a skilled strike in terms of damage. So, <laughs> so it's just like running reps on that scenario, just optimizing my damage. Yeah, that was definitely the round I practiced most on because I'm like, there's got to be a way to optimize this for a rush, and I ended up going two one, which was I guess better than most, so it worked out pretty well. <laughs> better than most in the thirty lower than thirty percent win rate round, yes. Success. And also amongst those who opted not to play the round, I was a not opted not to play the round person. Um, I think actually our entire alliance didn't play that round, but we were. We were definitely in on the playing and discussing, and but just kind of threw our hands up in the air at some point. Um, but given that, I mean, it's still the fact that the win rate was lower than 30% is quite remarkable that all the folks who didn't get scared away still only ended up with that. And then the other one, which was kind of like a memorably challenged one, was the round five in season 10, which was versus expert Ronan the Accuser, but that was a round where we had access to Doctor Strange, and so that was a 70% win rate. So that was kind of the least worst of these very, very hard rounds that we've had. Yeah, that was a cool round. It brought up Doctor Strange in my estimations. I mean, obviously, he knew I knew he was powerful. That's not in dispute. But I didn't think he was that fun. But, right. you know, if you actually get to play a serious game yes. against ex Expert Ronin instead of just trying to rush him down before you draw fanaticism... Which is yep. somehow times sometimes how I play Ronan. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, I actually enjoyed that, so I'm like, you know what? Good on you, Doctor Strange. That was fun. <laughs> well, and you know, it, you are you are speaking to the you know tailoring the challenge to the power level of the hero can really make a world of difference, right? The um, your Valkyries and your Hulks and whatever you can have some fun if you kind of make sure that it's something that's a challenge but not a huge challenge. Yeah, like I actually did kind of have fun with Valkyrie against um, Expert Wrecking Crew. That's one thing right. I did for my own personal conquest of all the expert villains on each aspect. And um, I just built a Hone Technique dive bomb deck against Wrecking Crew, and it was fun. Like, obviously, I was deliberately countering the scenario right. with such an idea, but, you know, I had a little bit of fun of Valkyrie, and that's hard for me to find. You gotta go, you know, go dig out that Pegasus, and here we go. Yeah, and I have a question for you. So, ah. did you notice something about all these hard rounds you listed, aside from this Loki round? Um, well, 
Aside from the Loki round? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's two different boxes, but uh, no. Tell me what you what you're observing. They're all the fifth round of a season. Oh yes. And we're comparing what round of the season to it? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> so that's the. Um, I mean. There, there's been a change to how it all works, and then this, this specific round was meant to replace the third round of. Yeah, I know. I'm, it, I'm, I'm giving you a little. No, I, I hear you. Thing. I hear you. <laughs> it's like, um, oh man, we're talking about the hardest rounds in Solo Champions League, and we're comparing yeah, round yeah, one yeah, to yeah, a yeah. bunch of round fives. The um, right, but just for for those who aren't entirely aware of how that worked, there was a change starting last season where instead of making the fifth round a pileup of all the most difficult stuff um the third round is the pileup of all the most difficult stuff on standard and then the final expert round is a little bit more kind of like middle tier difficulty so we get a little spike at three and a little spike at five but insmith bear wanted to set up this season by having the most well not necessarily the most difficult but having the the equivalent of round three show up in the first round now, was that decided before the season and everyone got their impression of the difficulty level or was that something else? Um, so w- which impression of the difficulty level? <clears throat> oh, was this meant to replace round three yeah. from the get-go or was it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's not a revisionist history. It was always round three. I see. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um. So that yeah, so that's the story why we ended up with a bizarrely, I mean, <laughs> why we were set up for a possibly very difficult round one was because it was meant to be a round three in the new format, which is where we will often actually see maybe our hardest round in in the in the season. So, um, but of course, I took way too much joy in in the design and uh, and ended up being being pretty tricky i i overall actually quite enjoyed it but i know how lots of folks were just like i'm happy to put loki in the box with ronin and nebula (laughs) yeah i think it'll be fun to design a scenario but it also definitely seems quite challenging well now now i'm now i'm also kind of keen to do you know around one or around two that's kind of focusing on fun things that maybe really lean into the heroes, you know, something like a Thor round with lots of <clears throat> lots of minions or Rocket with lots of minions or something like that. Yeah, that could be fun. So the kind of the other types of ways you can design some rounds. Um, and then the other thing that happened this round was, or this season is Insmith Bear revised a little bit how the XP bonuses are working and narrowed built it so that the gap in terms of the highest XP and lowest XP earning hero or aspect of the round is going to have have a lower gap overall. So here what we saw was aggression got the the biggest XP bonus of 10 and then basic got the lowest of 8.68. So just kind of one and a half and that's of you know 
a thing that gets added to your approval rating to give you your overall score on the round. And approval ratings for this round were, you know, maxed out at an average of 87. Usually a good score, again, is kind of around 100. Or top scores are usually around 100. So, so that difference of one and a half where we were seeing um, four or more in some rounds before, I think is probably feeling a little bit more comfortable for lots of folks. Yeah, I think so. And then, and then there's been lots of discussions about kind of ways to maybe change some of the scoring and other things, um, which will kind of will be neat to see. First of all, the feedback on on these revisions, and if you know if people still think that bigger changes are warranted, or if just fine tuning some of these these newer changes is kind of the way to go. Um, shall we look at the decks? Let's do it. Okay, so basic was the top, and there was not a lot of people that played basic, was there? Just, I think you forgot to uh, include the third-ranked basic player. There's only two here. Yeah, that's interesting. There, there were only two basic players, um, and Rekatol got top. Um, and is in a flight one player and got a, a kind of in 11 rounds and got you know perfect perfect score beyond that this is i think my favorite my favorite deck from this round that i saw so they put it it was a shield build with dum dum dugan and then the very very clever thing of using magic shield to actually protect Dum Dum Dugan from all of his own consequential damage because the magic shield can protect damage from from any any of your characters. And then uh, in a shield build, you actually have you know you can bring in the Sky Destroyer, which does two damage, and you know things that get let you get around the one Loki's Retaliator are always nice. Of course, Hex Bolt also does that. And then had some things like first aid to heal Agent Thirteen or or Dum Dum Dugan, and so I don't know. This is one that I really loved. I don't know what what are your thoughts on this deck? Yeah, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like whenever I'm prepping for these episodes and Rekatul is on the list, <laughs> I'm like, I would have zero percent thought of this. <laughs> and it works out so well. It's just awesome to see. Yeah. Yeah, or if I had thought of it, I wouldn't have pursued it. I didn't think of it, so I'm not even pretending I did. But that, yeah, yeah. I'm so, not going to pretend I'd think of this. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just clever. That, was, that was a super well. Ironically, I actually have been playing quite a bit of Shield and played some Dum Dum Dugan uh, builds in in the last round and stuff like that. So it's not totally out of my my radar, but I did definitely didn't really consider digging into it at that level this this way and i think just like i love this magic shield to protect dum dum dugan from his own his own challenge because when he he's got a base attack of of three and then he can tap shield cards for i can't remember how many he can tap but he can get a whole bunch of extra damage so the the efficiency of using him with the magic shield ends up being pretty high for damage efficiency yeah i know whenever i run shield i I'm like, oh, is Dum Dum Dugan relevant? And I'm like, no, this is too much nonsense to keep up with. I'm just going to pursue other shield cards that I can deal with with a lot less maintenance. Um, yep. But it's it's proving that he's worth his five cost, I suppose. 
Well, and then so there's a place where another thing with the fact that we're playing with Scarlet Witch is that because she can cheat some pretty big things into play, um, playing those five cost allies is is a little more viable. Yeah, that makes sense. It's two things feeding the uh, feeding the idea from Scarlet Witch's yep. kit, which which yep. I guess is not too dissimilar from how I thought Spider Ham might. Right. This might be the site the situation with <sighs> Spider Ham. You can crest away consequential damage. You can cast control away consequential damage. So let's bring in Spider-Ham. Yep. You know, I wonder if there was a place where I could have uh, avoided him dying because I had a magic shield out and didn't think of it. Yeah, it. I often find when we're doing the reviews of the show, I, I find some holes in my own play. Or deck design. Yeah, there's a lot of good decks out here, so... A lot yeah, to very cool. feel a little bit ashamed of yourself, but <laughs> it's, all, then, it's all in the name of helping everyone here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I love it, and I hope you know it helps me improve in the future as well. In in second of two basic players was PK um, from Flight Three, who like myself lost one of the games um, and ended up having got an eleven turn average and a sixty one turn. Uh, or 61 point approval rating, which was kind of, I think, around where I ended up as well. Um, I didn't get their deck. Uh, protection. Um, so to the top player was Ali Merrill, um, who had the. It's okay. One, one other thing I'll just note is that Insmith Bear actually is also, at least for this season, showing how the the total overall skill gets built. And so there's a thing called skill score, which is the thing that is independent of XP. And a thing that helps us, in terms of at least for this show, be able to compare heroes a little more directly, not worrying about some of these things that are are used to try to balance. And so Ali Merrill had the overall number two skill score, um, and it was coming out of flight three. And had just just over a hundred for for an overall score, and so this is a deck that is kind of just using all sorts of really great green allies, um, you know, like Polaris and and Starhawk and and Brother Voodoo and Black Widow as a thing, you know, kind of like you're you're saying you were hoarding your um oh crap, what's your card called? Warp Reality. Thank you. Hoarding warp reality, right? Black Widow is another thing you can keep her on the board to help you. you Hoard warp reality and Black Widow. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and then uh, also relying on three copies of Pin Down so that you didn't necessarily have to deal with some of those minions the turn they came out. Oh yeah, that just keeping a Pin Down grunt pretty nice to stop the uh, nonsense. About... Oh, I that <laughs> never occurred to me. That is awesome. Yeah, immediately when I saw pin down, I'm like, dang, that would have been a good include, just because. Yeah. Like I said before, the uh, I think it's the grunt when they engage you with no other minions, you get an extra encounter card, and also they engage with you when it's a boost card. So whenever this card shows up, if you have no allies, you get an extra encounter or no minions. Sorry, you're getting an extra encounter card. But if you pin one of these grunts down or some other minion. None of them have that much attack aside from the Warlord to mm-hmm, overcome mm-hmm. the pin down. Mm-hmm. You could just bypass that mechanic completely. All right, we we've got a we've got a second nomination for most clever tech. 
Maybe. Maybe. Uh, and then Gondo, look at you, number two, coming out of flight three. Hey, well, yeah, we, did, we didn't also mention that the flights all got rearranged. There's only 10 or fewer people in flight one. And then there's kind of some XP thresholds. So like total time in a league to get up some of the flights on top of, of the scores. So uh, a bunch of us got bumped down. And so you are now a proud flight three member and I'm a proud flight two member again. Back to flight three with me. Although this Back time flight three. Not painful. <laughs> <laughs> However, coming out of flight three with the second best protection deck, you want to? Do you have anything further to say about your deck? You kind of already spoken about it. Yeah, I already spoke about it, but I think people should listen when I say that Web Warrior Protection <laughs> is awesome, <laughs> and it'll get you a good score in the Solo Champions it'll League. Get you the Champions League. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you're also the proud winner of the Astrodar Pre-Memorial Award for fewest aspect cards in an aspect deck this round. Uh, yeah, because a lot of the Web Warriors are gray. So <laughs> yeah, basically yeah. you just include the two green Web Warriors. Um, I included a spiel, uh, shield spell um, just because sometimes you can take a big attack and then you say yeah. no thank you. And the Night Nurse to alleviate some status concerns as this this thing this encounter throws status effects at you because the infinity gauntlet really likes to do that so yeah you had four aspect cards altogether. yeah i don't normally include night nurse in my web warrior protection decks because mm -hmm. usually it doesn't really matter but i was like you know what sometimes i'm exhausting to defend and then i want to play a molecular decay and i don't want to Consume the entire molecular decay with a stun, so uh -huh. <laughs> it's worth having I... Night Nurse out there. And also, the Night Nurse isn't such a bad one for the uh, I don't know what stone it is. Is it the reality stone? The oh, yeah, the one makes you discard upgrade. a thing. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll get rid of Night Nurse. That's okay. Um, it doesn't really ruin your game plan. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the things that make you discard things when they're um. Well, I'm really speaking vaguely. But anyway, when there are things that actually use counters and you can kind of use up most of your counters and feel like you've got most of your use out of them before you discard them are pretty nice. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank you, Night Nurse. Oh, and one thing I didn't mention um, in a pleasant interaction with Web Warriors and Scarlet Witch is that Otto Octavius can ready your crest for extra... Yes for extra boost counter or boost icon count control. Yeah. And um, also I had Deft Focus on my deck and readying Deft Focus when throwing out a million hex bolts is fantastic. So another point in the column for Web Warriors. Another point in the column for Web Warriors, but not this season. Not this season. Transferring to X-Men. Uh -huh. And then uh, third was uh, Endelidi, Um And we didn't get a deck from them. Um, but we've definitely seen seen them show up many times. Um, leadership was next up, and top was Jarrett, who is definitely a mainstay in in these discussions. Um, Jarrett had a monstrous fifty card deck that um, also was really relying on big blue allies: Goliath, Giant Man, Black Panther, Captain America, Captain Marvel, being able to cheat things out with the with the her cheaty card and having command team and summoning spell to summon those big allies as well. 
three rapid responses to bring some of the Bing ally back, allies back. And this, you know, turned out really well. This Jarrett actually had the highest overall skill score and got 101.36 for an overall approval rating. So that that looks like that worked out extremely well. Um, I don't know. Have you ever played any of these like all big blue ally decks before? Um, not often. Um, especially on Solar Champions, but sometimes I'll mess around with that in um my free time. Um, I think if I were to make a deck like this, and obviously this deck worked great, and I'm not trying to improve it, but I think I would have gravitated toward trying to figure out a way to make um. What's it? Sneak attack or yep. go down yep, swinging? Work with this, yeah. Yep. Um, because a lot of these big allies are Avengers, so they'd work for sneak attack. They'd work with go down swinging because they're huge, so it'd be really efficient. That's what I'd look toward. I don't know if it would work out better or worse, but it's obviously yeah, yeah. worked out fantastically. So, kudos to Jarrett. I I personally always find with the sneak attack decks, I just I have trouble lining things up in my hand so that I'm really able to take advantage of them. So it's it's a, like a really poor consistency deck for me. Yeah, I'd say that's probably true. I, I definitely get greedy in that respect. So I don't think it would actually work out, but. That's where my mind. That's where my mind right. goes. Right. So. So yeah. So Jarrett went in the direction of taking advantage of all the activations that these really big allies have. Um. You know. And, and having team training, giving them all an extra hit point. So basically, really being able to make use of of all of their their activations, and then even bringing them back in with rapid response. So they start getting really efficient when you get the extra activations out of them, and then bring them back with rapid response and everything else and then got them out for cheap anyway pretty cool um matthew noodles my alliance mate uh, had the third highest skill score and went with a mighty avengers build that had 12 allies and um this was just kind of like all the good all the good avengers allies and then uh, professor x and nick fury on top of that, you say all the good allies, but there's one ally in here that I don't agree with that sentiment for. Uh, Can you pick it out? Well, depends who you are. Who who's your ally that you? I don't like Kate Bishop. <laughs> Hawkeye Kate Bishop. Yeah, that's definitely not my favorite ally. But I guess if you're running Mighty Event. She is two three, so it's not so bad. But I, I just never think of including her in my decks. I'd be interested to no. know how the inclusion of that ally worked out because I don't think I saw any commentary on that. Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, part of it is she's just like a two cost ally, but now there's so many good ones. I think, especially now that we have Plan B, the ditching a card from your hand for only one damage definitely doesn't feel good. If 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 she had the same efficiency as Plan B but she chewed up an ally slot for one more cost, I think that would be a much kind of more comparable uh, here or ally. Yeah maybe, yeah, maybe in this matchup, she just has the Avenger tag. And, uh, I guess there's teams training, so she'd get two activations. Yeah, I see it working, but I get that yeah. more to the Scarlet Witch and ally support than <laughs> the ally itself would feel bad when you pulled her out with summoning spell oh yeah for sure 
Uh, and then third, uh, coming out of flight three, is Kakita Jamie, uh, that went for a Cosmo Voltron build, you know, using um, sidearm for an extra attack and comms implant for plus one thwart and HP and inspired for an extra attack and a thwart. And of course, Cosmo can actually interact with the Infinity Gauntlet deck, which is, you know, why part of why Cosmo in Doctor Strange is kind of such a such a gimme these days but you can also interact with the with that deck and unlike against thanos when you cycle through the infinity gauntlet deck against loki there's no extra penalties you just shuffle and keep going so you can also potentially avoid some of the some of the stones that you don't want to deal with so oh, that's, my that's goodness that's really i don't fun. believe that I just automatically do that from Thanos, so I was giving Loki extra boost cards every time I completed the deck. Oh no, oh, man! <laughs> no, that's actually a Thanos special ability, not a Infinity Gauntlet special ability. I've just internalized that with the Infinity Gauntlet. I'll try to remember <laughs> that next time I play Loki. <laughs> well, then your your performance is even more impressive. I suppose so. Uh, did the. The length of these games were such that you might not have always gone through the entire thing, though. In your nine, in your nine turn one, you wouldn't necessarily have. Yeah, I didn't keep track of that. Yeah. Anyway, that this is very fun to me. I I do love Cosmo Voltron. Of course, this is the one of the ones that has the danger of the stealing your lowest cost allies. So you really got to make sure you're protecting Cosmo with with other low cost allies. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and then top place in aggression coming out of flight two is Doctor Dubios, who is your alliance mate. Yep. With another fifty card deck, so we had a couple fifty card decks and and fourteen allies in aggression. I mean, I, there's a lot of great aggression allies, but that that's that's a remarkable pile of allies. And uh, and bring it, and you know. Um, a couple of other cards that are new to me. I've never played like War Room, which is a new support um, from Gambit. After an ally attacks and defeats a minion, exhaust War Room, remove one threat from a scheme. So another way for aggression to get rid of some threat. And then Gatekeeper, which is a zero cost upgrade that you attach to a minion. And then when the minion gets defeated, you can remove four threat from the scheme. So that's kind of like... Um, What's the justice card that's kind of similar where you put it on a side scheme and then when it gets defeated, you do the four damage? Anyway. Oh, followed. Yeah, that that sort of it's that sort of card. I like these things or the upgrades. And then kind of when you do the thing that your aspect does, it helps you do a thing that your aspect doesn't do as well. Um, I think those are those are neat cards. So anyway, Dr. Dubios did did great um, overall with a big old 50 card deck. Uh, Middleman got second, and then a big welcome back to Babycorn, who's somebody who has had been in the league, I think, ever since I started, and then took a little bit of a break, and now we're seeing back in in flight one. Maybe uh, we have a this deck was I, I wrote down to six allies and a grab bag of useful one of or. Uh, well, I don't know why I said one of or whatever, but anyway, one of uh, or two of. Uh, events a lot a very event heavy heavy deck and baby corn is one of the folks that i feel like around the time we were looking at quicksilver 
decks and there was a bunch of people playing these tempo quicksilver decks that had lots of just kind of one of and two of cards in it baby corn was one of the people who was playing that style and yeah, so I think we're it's seeing been some time since i've seen these uh like gazillion yeah. different events sort of decks yeah yeah and and baby corn you know usually does great still in flight one and and it was you know great to great to have him back um justice do you want to try to pronounce this yeah it's kamehameha it's oh is dragon that ball okay. Z. oh i don't know dragon ball z i'm old Thank uh, you. i guess i'm not old then <laughs> and we already knew that um <laughs> anyway went went with a variant of one of the early awesome scarlet witch decks from um somebody named Lewis, who actually I believe used to be in Solo Champions League as well. It was a Scarlet Witch turbo draw deck and the Oh, that was I the think, one that like beat all the heroic scenarios, right? Yeah, and I think it even came out before one way or another came out. Um is is kind of when because one way or another I don't even remember which pack that was in, but um, I think it was Nebula. Right, so Scarlet Witch was definitely earlier than that. So the, yeah, anyway, this was a, a deck that was really focusing on draw, and of course, because Scarlet Witch has lots of draw and cycle, really getting to all, all the great stuff, and you know, being able to have access to your chaos magic every few turns and and all those cool things. And so, uh, Kamehameha uh, did did great with with this deck. Um, you know, also has that clear the area, turn the tide combo. I definitely find personally with Scarlet Witch because you do so much thwarting with the Hexbolt that I it's one of the few places I don't usually put Turn the Tide because you have to actually have thwarted to to trigger that one. But um, looks like looks like Kamehameha did did great with that one. Yeah, I think that could work here because a lot of the side schemes are chunky enough that maybe yeah. the Hexbolt does the first little bit and then you yeah. finish it off with a real thwart. Um, it's yeah. not like some other scenarios where these side schemes have two threat, maybe three threat, where Hexbolt takes it out entirely. Um, I don't think that's likely to happen in this scenario, so I think right. it's a perfectly reasonable include. And obviously yeah, it is, because it worked well obviously. for this person. <laughs> obviously it did. Obviously it is. Uh, and then in second, we have uh, one of our Merlins, the um, from Flight 2, the non-Phoenix Force Mer Merlin. So we got a 7267 Merlin, and I forget the numbers for the other one. But anyway, there's two, and it's always I always have to double-check which is which. Um, they've both been in the league for a while. so. Um, uh, but I, we didn't get a deck shared on that one. And then Vaughn got third. And thank you, Gondo, for pointing out that I missed Vaughn in, uh, when I was putting all the scores together. And then the person who I thought had gotten third, uh, Raphael, coming out of flight one actually got fourth in justice um so deck awards we haven't mentioned so far so i think the rocket raccoon tinkering award for most clever tech is maybe the two nominations from from our discussion is the dum dum dugan in recital's deck and then the pin down in ali merrill's deck what's your vote um I'd say in the interest of not doubling up awards, we have another award called the Plan B Award for most surprisingly effective deck. I think 
The we shield should one? Split them. Yeah, we should split them. And the shield <laughs> yeah. one to go to surprisingly effective because I zero percent right. chance I'd ever think of Dum Dum yep. Dugan being relevant right. in Solo Champions right. League. Fair enough. I love it. <laughs> so most clever. Yeah. Pin down. Ignore the grunts. Ignore yep. the whole shtick behind the grunts. Great. I missed that completely. So very clever. And then you were the problem. At least I assume that's what it was for, but <laughs> maybe, they, they could tell me Merrill. otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Ellie Merrill's just sitting there, like, "Oh wow, that that really would dang, have been I clever. am clever." <laughs> <laughs> and then you're the proud winner of the the Astrodar um, fewest aspect cards. Yeah, I feel like this is an easy protection award winner because a lot of protection cards don't do much for solo champions leagues. So you just include a bunch of basics and like a little bit of green where you where you think you need it in terms of allies. Like this might be like a voodoo to go find your cool events, or in this case, web warriors. But yeah, I think I think protection's a pretty solid lock for the Ashtar Premorial Award. <laughs> Yeah, and and there's a few, you know, if you're playing, as you pointed out, if you're playing web web warriors or guardians, are also tend to be really skew that way, right? Because these these factions that have a ton of gray allies. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't see a leadership deck winning this award really anytime soon, unless it's guardians. Oh. Yeah, I mean that that was actually the place that it really came came up um I yeah, that was back like... at a time before the web warriors though so the yeah, web yeah, warriors yeah. have really taken over this award <laughs> but it was it was like guardians builds with welcome aboard and and a couple get ready's like that was <laughs> for to, <laughs> yeah. get, to get drax to do some extra damage right that was um kind of the early the early versions of these very very few aspect card uh, decks, and then we had a couple fifty card decks as mentioned already: Doctor Dubios um, in aggression and Jarrett in leadership. And then our new mutant award for the top score in the training grounds came from uh, House. I don't know how to pronounce this either. Uh, K Y J Z A, where I would have guessed the J was actually a yes sound, but not with the Y also beside it. Anyway, Injustice coming out of the training grounds. So we have a smaller number of new players this season, it looks like, so far. But maybe a lot of them got scared off by this first round and didn't actually participate. So maybe next round we'll see a bunch more. Yeah, it could be. I've seen a decent number of people trickle through the Discord recently. After the first okay. round ended. Yeah. Um, very cool. Gondo, thank you for for joining this week. Yeah, thanks for having me. And Greg, if you're listening, get well, buddy. Yeah, I hope you feel better soon. And thank you, everybody, for joining us on The Road to Nowhere. 